And now, welcome to Like a Boss. Insights with influencers, creatives, online entrepreneurs, and badasses like you. Here is your hostess, Heather Havenwood, Chief Sexy Boss, helping you rise to the top. Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust, and having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com, and let me help you rise to the top. Hi, everyone. Welcome. My name is Heather Haven. Welcome to Like a Boss, helping you rise to the top. So today I'm going to be talking to someone about consciousness. It's going to be kind of an interesting conversation. He has got a book. Let's see. I'm curious, Mark, um, is it number one bestseller yet? Yet, yet, yet? On Amazon. On Amazon. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So the name of the book is An, an End to Upside Down Thinking. And the things we're going to be talking about today are the three things to make you rethink your life by understanding consciousness. So I want to introduce you to Mark. Mike, Mark Gober, nice to meet you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be kind of fun. Uh, so I got your book. I got to be honest, I've read the whole thing because I mean, it's kind of thick. <laughs> and um, it's, that's good. It's actually very, very interesting. You have a lot of experience, looks like, in, um, in university. Is that right? In the university setting? Well, actually, I work in the business world, and this has been a side research project that turned into a real passion and eventually turned into a book. Oh, nice. Okay, love that. Okay, so I'm going to tell everybody who Mike, Mark Gober is. He's an author at Partner at Sherpa Technology Group in Silicon Valley, a former investment banker at UBS in New York, and former captain of the Princeton tennis team. His worldview has turned upside down the late 2016 when he was exposed to world-changing science, which suggested that contrary to mainstream assumptions, consciousness is not produced by the brain. All right, so let's talk about this book. Um, is this a research book or is this more case study? Tell us more about the book and how did it come about? It's, it's a combination of summarizing other people's research and case studies which all point to this idea about consciousness that the, the consciousness or awareness that we all have isn't actually coming from the body. And this came about through initially listening to podcasts in late 2016, where I first heard of this stuff. And then I became really interested because it caused me to shift my worldview. I researched for a full year with no plans of writing a book and then decided to summarize my research into this book, which describes different areas that point to the same thesis that consciousness isn't in our body. So if consciousness is not in our body, where do, where do you say it is? The way I think about it is that it, it is the basic um, aspect of all of reality. So it, it exists beyond space and time. We, we have the experience of being here, but 
to use an analogy from Dr. Bernardo Castro that I use in my book. Mm-hmm. Imagine that all of reality is like a stream of water where water represents consciousness. Each of us is like a whirlpool within that stream. So we have these like boundaries where it seems like we're separate, but we're connected as part of this much bigger stream. And that's how I think about consciousness. Okay, got it. So would you say we're all one? Now I would. I would have rejected that idea before I started the research, but that's what it seems to be at the basic level of reality, even though we don't see that with our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about this. Are you in the book? Do you talk a lot about quantum mechanics? I do. I have a chapter on that. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. So we are going to be talking about today, again, the three things are going to you know, turn your life around or make your life better by understanding consciousness. We're going to go through those three things in a minute. But I do want to ask you just point blank. Um, I'm a big believer personally in the consciousness and a higher self and the higher vibration in the universe. Personally, I'm a very big believer. So I find it fascinating that you did research on it, right? Like the world of science and technology. So I'm curious, what, what did you find in quantum physics? There are two main findings with regard to consciousness that I think are really relevant. One's called entanglement. And I'll just summarize this very simply. It says that if you have two particles, these are like physical things, one's here, one's really far away. So they're not next to each other. When you affect one, the other one is affected at the exact same instant without any time passing. So it's suggesting that there is an interconnectedness that our eyes don't show us. And even Albert Einstein called this spooky action at a distance. Decades ago, he didn't like it because he thought the speed of light was the fastest that anything could travel. And yet here we have two things that are far away acting at the same exact instance. So that's a big deal. And some people like Dr. Dean Radin has extended this to consciousness and he calls it entangled minds. So it's like our minds, in addition to the physical, we have this connectedness. Mm. Um, so that's, that's one. Another is, it's called the observer effect. And to, again, to, to simplify this, um, it, it suggests that when we observe something, we actually change the way a particle's behaving. And this has been shown over and over again. When the observer in the experiment isn't looking at anything, the particle doesn't behave like a particle. It, it has like this distributed pattern where it's maybe here, maybe there. When you look at it, it collapses into being in one place. Mm-hmm. So there's a big question. Does it mean that the observer, just by introducing consciousness, is shifting the reality? And this is where consciousness might enter quantum physics. So have you re- re- watched the movie, What the Bleep? I have. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, so that's, that, that movie kind of shows what you're talking about has a different kind of observer talks a lot about that. Um, the different things of focusing on what you focus on is going to actually connect to something that's not even in your um, vicinity, things like that. Um, what do you, what do you, what's your take on that movie? I think the general principles make sense to me. I prefer to have more of the scientific studies. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm much more open to that movie now based on the science that I've seen than I was before. So let's talk about before. It seems like to me, it sounds like what I'm hearing is that you're really closed off to anything spiritual or connection. Why is that? What, why were you so closed off? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, and it was why? because I think I hadn't been exposed to any of the science that we're now speaking of. I thought that consciousness just came from the brain. And when you believe that, then when the brain turns off, when the body dies, then there's no more consciousness. And Interesting. So let me, I'm just going to ask a question. So you grew up, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Maryland. Okay, Maryland. And you didn't go to church or religion or third entity and spirit or any of that? 
I grew up in a, a, a Jewish household, but not very religious. And I, okay. I didn't really accept religions because I thought science was disproving what a lot of the religions were saying. That's just what I thought was true based on what I learned in school. So yeah, I was yeah. not open. I wasn't very open because I hadn't seen anything to suggest that those things were real. Yeah, that's really interesting, you know, based on your upbringing, right? Because I'm, I'm contradicting my own upbringing. I was brought up in a very um, Protestant, Methodist, hardcore Baptist. Not saying that's right. But, I mean, I definitely was already um, open to the fact that there was a third entity or spirit, Jesus, God, something beyond ourselves in spirit. Like, I'd already accepted that before I kind of went down my own quantum physics world. Um, that was... Uh, you know, my own experience. I just found that interesting because it sounded like to me your aha in 2016 was like this break in kind of your own reality of like what you thought was true isn't true. Is that accurate? 100%. You got yeah. it. Yeah, I can see that that would be like a breakdown. <laughs> it was. It was hard and it was so disorienting because I'm like, wait a second. Everything I thought was maybe just partially true yeah. and I had to rethink everything. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. Did you ever go back to your family and, and, and share, I'm sure you've shared now your book, but um, was there kind of a hard conversation you had with them where they are maybe coming back and maybe they're closed off or someone in your family like that who was still closed off or still is? They've been pretty open to it. I think for them, it was also new for them to see a lot of the scientific studies. And when I talk about scientific studies, people the reaction typically is, oh, well, I would just need to look into that or, oh, wow, that's really interesting. That might shift how I think about the world. Hmm. Versus a spiritual, they call it woo-woo. I mean, people sometimes <laughs> call it woo-woo. I think it's a really bad terminology for it. One of the, um, I think it was that that movie or another movie similar to that. I just find, and I wanna, I'm going to share with you what this person said on the, on the screen and then ask your response. So uh, I don't know who the doctor was. It was definitely a doctor of psych a scientist and around quantum physics, he said, um, what is God? So he said, well, God is hard to explain because that's like going to a fish and saying, Hey, you're in water. The fish would say what's water, right? Because the fish is just in its element and doesn't know it's in water. Right. So mm -hmm. it's kind of this, like, what do you mean? Well, what's water? Did you know you're in water? No, I'm in water. Right. That's kind of like how I think we are a consciousness or God around us or God or consciousness. It's like, what's consciousness? It's like, we're literally in it right now. You know, I mean, I'm swimming in consciousness and so are you and everything that we speak and vibrate and create consciousness is listening and I am affecting things across the country and world all the time. Thinking of things, thinking of people, people show up, people call me. Right. So what was the first experience for you? Like on the court, something happened. You took this new philosophy on that really, really altered things outside of just research. Mm -hmm. Well, I started to have really weird synchronicities and instances of entanglements where like I would think of someone that I hadn't thought of in a while and then they would call me or, or things like that that were just really weird. And as I was doing the research, I started to speak to psychics and energy workers because the research suggested that they could do things that, I could, that the world couldn't explain. So I wanted to test it out for myself. And I found amazing consistency when I called people and these were sessions like over the phone and they were able to know things that they couldn't have looked up, they couldn't have known about me using conventional means. So it was just confirming the research I did. Oh, wow. Okay. So you used the psychics to confirm research. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. really awesome. Okay. Uh, what was that like to go to a psychic or did you go to angel reading or what did you do? Yeah, I tried basically anyone that I came across who seemed pretty credible. 
like I would listen to their interviews on podcasts or YouTube or like look them up before I would do a session. Uh, but the people that I worked with were impressive. So yeah, it was like, it was, it was hard for me to accept these things. But I think over time I got to the point where I couldn't like unsee or unhear the things that I was being exposed to. So mm-hmm. I, I had to change. Interesting. And I, I find it interesting because I'm, I believe in that world so much already. And I, uh, you know, I'm very into quantum physics and, and universe. So it's interesting hearing from you how this shift for you is so challenging of like, how is that possible? And the only thing I can, that's why I keep asking about your upbringing. So when you were a kid, did you have any spiritual experiences at all? No, None. not that I can remember. Right. Okay. Okay. And why were you, was it family upbringing or was it just you personally? Why were you so against a religion per se? I think it was more me personally Mm -hmm. uh, because I think it's because of the way our education system is set up. It's like you question everything that you read. And that's like, that's, that's how I would have to do English and, and science and history class is to be really analytical and then, so that was my education. And, and then the religious side, from what, the way I understood it, it's like, read this book and accept this as being true. So those two things didn't line up. And I didn't, I was like, well, who wrote this? And what was the incentive? And I would just question things and didn't have a way to, to confirm anything. Interesting. Okay, got it. And so you found that, um, what, why did you write this book? If you, that was not your intention for the research. Why did you say, I'm going to write a book here? What was that change for you? Well, the shift for me personally was huge as I got into the research and yeah. also for those around me when I started to expose them to the research. And, and many of these people were very rational, like agnostic type people. And it, this information was shifting them. Okay. Hold so, on. Stop for you a second. <laughs> I want to stop for you a second because I'm rational. You know, I think people listening who are into universe and connection, they're rational too. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You said, well, they're rational, like people who are into understanding angels and connections and believe in higher spirit, they're not rational. Is that how your old view was for people like, like us? Um, I think, I think that's like a stereotype, which is not fair. I, so right, I don't right, think you said it. That's why yeah. you said rational. Like that's yeah. what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, I, well, I'm not saying that, that those who are spiritual are not rational, but some mm-hmm. people who are rational will throw out anything that they can't see with their eyes. And so there's like a dichotomy there of within the rationality bucket. And so the f- people I'm referring to, people who are rational and probably were not as open and, and maybe haven't had personal experiences, yeah. I would say a lot of them actually were open once they were exposed to the information, but they just had never seen it before. So what I found is that in, from that group of people, these were people that were not spiritual or didn't have a, a big leaning, yeah. they were starting to shift. So I think it was the combination of my personal interest and seeing the impact on people, which that made me say, why don't I put this on paper? Because it could really have an impact. Got it. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, so would you, so I'm going to, some of the things you just said though, rational people, cause they didn't see it. I disagree. I think if you're walking on this earth, you have seen spiritual things now accepting them as spiritual or understanding that they were spiritual or higher self or, or quantum physics is a different story. If you're walking on this planet, you literally are consciousness. I mean, there's, so seeing it, I think what you're saying is that they don't want to quote unquote, see it or believe there's something outside of science. Is that? Yeah. And I think that's right. So maybe they've had the experience, but they haven't accepted it as that. They've maybe said, Oh, well that was just a chance occurrence. 
Yeah. It's which the experiences, is, but it's not the accept, acceptance. I mean, if they're breathing on this planet and they were born, then they have a spirit. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, that's, they're con- they have a consciousness spirit and they're connected to all of us. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting that you talk about that, that you're the reason why you were closed off. If I don't mind saying just word for a second conversation closed off is because your upbringing was that way or you, this is, uh, school was that way. Would you say it's more school or your personal upbringing? Hmm. Probably a combination, but I would say more school. More school. Or did you grow up in a private school or? Yeah, private school. I went to Princeton and, and I had a very just traditional education. I think the traditional education system is focused on controlled double blind studies that are based in the material world. And hmm. anything that goes outside of that seems to be rejected. And it's one of the, the dynamics that I discuss in the book. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a bubble there. It's a great word. It's definitely a bubble that people who are uh, like myself, who believe in higher spirit and higher God and consciousness and what I say I create is definitely up against the uh, traditional school setting. Did you grow up in, in your like more elementary or junior high, high school? Did you go to public? Did you go to private school then to like a Catholic school or something? Uh, or- a private school. Private. Was it Catholic or Jewish or? No, it didn't have a religious just, affiliation. Just private. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> some, usually private has some kind of like, God, like I went to private for a long time, um, a Baptist school. So there okay. you go. Um, interesting. So what are you doing with this? What What's next, right? What's next for you? Are you just kind of like on this path or where do you, where, what's next for you? I guess the short answer is I'm not fully sure. And that's the way it's been since the beginning. However, I, I am working on my own podcast where I've interviewed nearly 50 people, uh, many of whom I discuss in my book. So scientists in this area, people who've had near-death experiences. So that will come out at some point in 2019. So who's that woman? She's on, on TV a lot. She's got the long nails and she does, um, she talks to Afterlife. You've seen her? Um, there are a bunch of them. There's I'm not sure which one you're referring to. So it's interesting. She's amazing. I've seen her. Her name is escaping me right now. So I super apologize. Blonde hair, what I call typical Southern girl. I, like She'd be my sister. I'd love her. Um, but I think you're right. There's a lot of, let's call rational people, as you stated, uh, that disagree with that or don't believe it. I mean, I honestly know, I know people personally that see, uh, that see people that are dead among us. Some people can see them. I think it's a gift. It's a chosen gift. Some people don't, uh, some people can see other things and hear other things, you know? Um, I think it's a very, um, real thing. I believe that honestly, and tell me what you think of this is I believe that we're in a different, we're in a different space in our, in our lifetime. We're in a place where people are now having those conversations and they're open to those conversations versus putting you in a loony bin. You know what I mean? There's a time in our history that if you were talking about that, they put you on a stake and kill you. You know what I mean? Really? No kidding. So I think it's an interesting conversation that you're um, kind of bridging the gap between, let's call it university traditional studies and um, I would call it, I would call it really the, the spiritual plane. Would you say that's true? Yes. Yeah. So the, the academic term people will use is materialism versus post-materialism. So materialism means everything comes from physical matter, including our consciousness and there's no purpose to life. It's kind of a random universe. Once our body dies, our consciousness goes away. The alternative, which is why the book is called An End to Upside-Down Thinking, says, no, consciousness doesn't come from physical matter. It doesn't come from the brain. Rather, consciousness is fundamental. It's more 
primary than anything physical. So the physical world is underlied basically by consciousness. It's a flip in the traditional thinking. So we talked about this really fascinating. The three things that we we go back to what we were talking about, the three things um, that people can understand about consciousness. What are those? One is psychic abilities. And I have a number of chapters that talk about these abilities. One that I can give pretty quickly is called telepathy. And the reason I like to start with this one is it's something that many people have experienced, including myself, where I think of someone, then I get a text from them. And sometimes you can say, oh, well, that's just a chance occurrence. There have been many studies over many decades which have tested a phenomenon like this. And it goes as follows. You have one person in a room, we'll call him Bob. He's put into a relaxed state. You have another person named Jane in another room. Jane is shown a picture or an image by the experimenter. And the experimenter says to Jane, I want you to try to mentally send this to Bob in the other room. Bob doesn't know what you're looking at. Use your mind to do it. And Jane, who's a normal person, she doesn't claim to have abilities. She says, okay, fine, I'll do it. And at the end, Bob comes out of his trance where he's just relaxing in the room and he's shown four pictures. Now, if it were just chance, one of the four, by the way, is the one that Jane was looking at. If, it, if Bob were just guessing based on chance with no telepathic communication, we would guess he would be correct one out of four times, 25%. It should be totally random. But the studies suggest, again, this is over many decades, that it's closer to 32%. And when we use statistics, the odds that that's just a chance occurrence is more than a billion to one. So it's highly significant and it's subtle. And it, it matches up with our everyday experience, I think. So that's, that's really interesting about that. Um, I've experienced that myself in situations where I'm thinking of something and someone's like, oh, blah, blah. I'm like, I was just thinking that. <laughs> so what are the other two? Um, so the other two, one is surviving bodily death, the notion that when our body dies, consciousness doesn't die. And this is something that just conceptually would be predicted if consciousness is the fundamental aspect of reality because it's not tied to the body. So one area that I examine is near-death experiences. So these are cases when a person is in like extreme physiological trauma, studies on people in cardiac arrest. So they're clinically dead. There's no blood flowing to the brain. The heart has stopped. And yet they're having experiences, sometimes hovering over their body. And in the most compelling cases, they are seeing things in the room from a vantage point above their body that is confirmed as being accurate by those in the room. So that is not a hallucination. And it's happening when the brain is either highly impaired or totally off. Hmm. Oh, wow. So how can people use that information to make their lives better? So I think it's it's more of a conceptual thing. For me, it was really big. The idea that my awareness isn't tied to my body. So it's, if you think that your body is it, and once your body dies, it's over, that leads to one view of the world. But if you think your consciousness continues or might continue after this body, I think it just opens things up and takes off some of the pressure. The pressure? What kind of yeah. pressure? Yeah, I think there, there's this like, people will say, you've only got one life. And maybe that can lead to... Um, People oh, feeling pressure. Like yeah, to, like you've yeah. got to be the best of the best or like. Yeah, you have to be the best of the best or maybe there's a time pressure. And if you don't do it now, you'll never have any opportunities. But I have a whole chapter in my book on studies from the University of Virginia of children who are usually between the ages of two and five years old who have memories of a previous life. And sometimes the researchers are able to find medical records and historical records that align with what the child is saying. So if that is true, that some of us, or if not all of us, have previous lives, then it, I think it does take some of the pressure off. Do you off believe of that? Do, do you uh, personally believe it? I personally now do. I think the evidence is really strong. 
Wow. I mean, I am a believer, but I know that coming from your background, that's, that's a big leap. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm, I'm clear. That's a big leap from your upbringing, you know, cause it's kind of flies in the face of uh, most people probably in your life and you grew up with. Yeah. And I quote a scientist in my book who says that reincarnation is a ridiculous idea. And it is ridiculous if you think that consciousness only comes from the brain. And that's why I'm focusing on that assumption, because that when you look at it really closely, it seems like the brain's more like an antenna receiver. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I did a past life regression uh, situation uh, session. Have you done one? I have. I didn't have I didn't have the the vividness that some other people describe like I've heard of people that have medical issues then they remember a past life related to that issue and it goes away so I didn't have the clarity and it's an area that in my research seems to work for people sometimes but it's not quite as reliable as other areas yeah absolutely yeah I think it's personal I was an Egyptian queen are you shocked (laughs) no I can see it (laughs) I went through a past life like you're an Egyptian queen I'm like of course I was yeah like (laughs) I'm not shocked at all about that. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it did, did, make, did make a lot of my life a sense. I'm like, that makes my life way more understanding. Um, okay, great. And so what's the third thing? The third one is that we're all interconnected. So going back to the stream analogy, we're all like water in the same stream, yeah. even though it seems like we have divisions. So in terms of how that it could impact someone's life, I think it has a big impact because if you think that we're all just separate, which is the conventional view of science that like we have this similar genetics because we're all part of the same species, but there's me and you, and there's no connection beyond that. Like we inhabit the same planet and that's about it here. I think there's something at the deeper level of reality, which suggests that we're connected. And to me, that actually has huge implications, not only for interpersonal relationships, but also like between nations. If we started to see ourselves as being more equal, we're sort of like diversity within this big stream. That could have a big impact on daily life and also just the world. Oh, completely. I have one last question before we wrap it up, and I definitely want people to know where your book is at. Please give them your website and where they can find your book. My website is my name, Mark Gober, M-A-R-K-G-O-B-E-R.com, and that has more information on me and my book and my forthcoming podcast. But also you can find my book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many other bookstores. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Mark. I have one last question before we get going. In your research, did you find that there was a difference with men and women in consciousness or find that maybe men or women, vice versa, anything around that, that they are um, maybe more women or men or, I don't know. Some, I find that in my experience of life, not research, that's why I'm asking like scientific research. In my experience, I think that women normally are more open to spiritual and conversations and higher self and, and uh, they call it woo-woo stuff. Um, mm-hmm. What do you find in your research though? I have found that too, just from my, my research, but also personal experiences and, yeah. and the reception I've gotten from the book. I think that women in general tend to be more open to these ideas already. And it might have something to do with the way the brain is structured. So there's talk about left hemisphere versus right hemisphere. Okay. Like left brain is more just, strict logic, right brain is more intuition. And it might be the case, I've heard this hypothesis that women have a more active right brain relative to the left. So it might just naturally be more open. But I think it's a really good question. And it has to be researched a bit more. Okay, curious if you did. I I mean, every single person I've come across as more of a spiritual healer or um, shaman or angel healer, 
have been 90% women. Uh, I have a shaman who's a male, um, but a majority are, are women. And I, I did never, I mean, from a research perspective, I've never looked at it that way, but I'm, I'm curious. I'm sure there's some scientific research on why women are um, either more open to it. But I don't, you know, I don't think, it, I think, I think it, there's something about that, that I, I think that they're just more open to it for some way, right? but I'm sure there's a science behind that. I, yeah. No idea. It, it might have to do with the way the brain is structured, that there are differences. That's in- your next book, yeah. Mark. That's your next book. <laughs> Thanks for, you're just teeing it up for me. There you, you go. I just teed <laughs> up your next book. You can just come back and just tell us how we're just so much more amazing than men. I'm totally kidding, by the way. <laughs> um, but there is something there because I do think that men have a little more challenge um, on a, to be open to that. And I don't think it has anything to do with personality or who they are. I just think there is something on a scientific level that they just have a little bit harder time making that leap for whatever that reason is. I don't know. And that's a generational thing. I don't think that's personal. Um, it's not a diss on men at all. That's actually, I think w- sometimes women can go way, way off to the woo woos and vice versa. I think there's extremes everywhere. So there's no diss. I just want to look at the male female brain and mm-hmm. there's a, probably a huge scientific thing there. And I'd love to know if you, if you come back and let me know if you ever find a, any research on that, let me know. For sure. Yeah. Kind of interesting to me. So, okay, great. Thank you so much for being here. This has been super fun. Um, go find Mark at markgober.com. That's G-O-B-E-R.com. Mark, thanks for being here. I really appreciate you being here on Like a Boss, where we really focus on insights with entrepreneurs and badasses like you. You can check out Mark again at mark at G-O-B-E-R.com or his book on Amazon. I'm going to say your book one more time because it's got a long... It's an end to upside down thinking. There it is. Woo, woo, woo. Go check it out. My name is Heather Havenwood. Check it out at heatherhavenwood.com. You can find us on iHeart, Spotify, um, iTunes, and soon Pandora, as well as Roku. All right, everyone, this is Heather Havenwood. Check us out at heatherhavenwood.com. Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. And let me help you rise to the top. Thank you for listening to Like a Boss, helping you rise to the top. Join Heather's Mastermind at InfluencerTribe.com, where she helps you become an influencer and dominate your field. Follow Heather Havenwood on Instagram. Interested in interviewing or scheduling a call with Heather? Go to callwithheather.com. For more, go to heatherhavenwood.com.